0: Give this
1: a little fun song. You know what's funny is Michelle James was supposed to sing that today and uh, she got sick and so James uh, got to practice right in front, right in front of y'all today. So he did a pretty good job, didn't he? So uh, James, what's funny is that there's a part of the song where it says another notch. It says in my guitar case originally it's lipstick case. So uh, James ran back and changed that when he found out he'd be singing. <laughs> so I don't know why because uh He does have a lipstick case, which is kind of weird. But anyway, uh, today we are uh, continuing our series, Rock Theology. And so that is a a blast from the past. I know that I saw, you know, Todd Christensen, Mike Turner. That was their favorite band, Pat Benatar, I'm sure. Uh, So a lot of us are a lot of fun. Some of you guys remember singing that song when you actually had hair. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to dig a little bit of theological truth out of Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Now you might be thinking, well, where are you going to find that? Well, I'm going to make some of it up. Uh, so we're going to be looking in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And uh, the, sort of the idea behind all of this, the song talks about Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Now, this is sort of the, the theological twist we're going after here. Is that in this world, as, as followers of God, those of us who have in pla- or placed ourselves under the leadership of Jesus... There's a lot of stuff in this world that comes at us. A lot of things that try to beat us down, try to destroy and discourage in life. Uh, whenever I was uh, younger, I remember there was a really popular video game. It was uh, Mike Tyson's uh, Punch-Out. Uh, y'all remember that, uh, that game? Uh, one of the first guys that you, would, that you would fight was a guy named Glass Joe. And so if you remember him, he was a, he was a Frenchman. His record was 1-99, and 99, and the only thing that you had to do was hit him a few times, and you know, he would drop like a sack of hammers. Now, the, the thing is, if, if you're going to fight, if you're going to be in a boxing match, you get in the ring, the odds are pretty good that you're going to end up getting hit. I mean, if you decide that you're going to get into the ring, there are times when you're going to face some body blows. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's true, but I'm not a boxer, so I don't have to worry about that. Guys, let me tell you something. In this world, there is a boxing match, so to speak, that is going on for your very soul. There is a fight that is taking place. Now, that's why the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, he said, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He said, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. but but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, those verses should be a reminder to us that we are involved in a struggle in life. There is a war that is going on, and it's a war that is going on for you. Now, sometimes in that war, there are things that come along that that scare us, that make us nervous, that frighten us, but I want you to be encouraged today in knowing this, that if you are standing with the Lord, with Jesus, if you've entrusted your life to Him, then it doesn't matter what the world will throw at you, because you will be victorious, You will win, and it means this, that in life, no matter what you are facing, that you don't have to be fearful. And so that's why we're looking in our scripture in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And and this letter was written to the Roman Christians. Now, just kind of think of the context of this scripture. It was written to Roman Christians, Christians who were worshiping in Rome, and Rome at this time... It really is. It was the one world superpower. I mean, they were in charge of absolutely everything. And so Paul was writing to those Christians there. He said, I don't want you to be timid. I don't want you to be scared in your faith. I want you to be bold. And he's giving them some encouragement. And, and I believe as believers, as we are living you know, in the 21st century, that we also need some encouragement to know that we don't have to live our lives in fear that we don't have to be timid concerning our walk with Jesus. And and we're going to see a picture of this in these two verses, but Paul started off calling for the Christians of Rome not to be ashamed of the gospel, and that is the good news of Jesus. Now, as we live in, in in our area of Northeast Columbia, we think, well, that doesn't sound too hard, that doesn't sound that difficult. But you have to kind of put yourself in the shoes of the people being written to. Remember, that they're living in Rome. And Rome wasn't just basically the capital of the world at this time. It was also basically the religious capital of the world, the the pagan capital of the world. And the people in Rome, when they worshipped the God, they didn't just worship one God. You know, they had the pantheon there. They they brought in as many gods as possible. You know, the more gods, the merrier that you worshipped. Now, Christians were different than everybody else. They didn't worship a bunch of different gods. They worshiped one God, just like we do today. They worshiped the one true God. And to the Roman government, that would would be sort of uh, subversive to do that because they were standing out from the rest of the crowd. They were being different, and the Romans did not like different If you know much about Roman history, you know that Christians underwent persecution under the Roman Empire. You know, they had these arenas, and there were times in those arenas when they would bring Christians into those arenas, and they would let animals out in order to entertain the crowd as Christians would die by execution by animals. And so that's what makes this text interesting to me. It's in this world that Paul is living... Where Christians are dying because of their faith, and Paul tells them, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Now, I look at that, and I think, I don't know how they did it. I mean, how is that a possibility? But Paul shared with them some reasons in living that we don't have to be fearful. And I just want to look at a few of them today. And then the first reason we don't have to be fearful in life is because of this. It begins with, because our faith has power. Your faith in Jesus is the most powerful thing that there is in this world. Now look with me in verse number 16. Paul wrote, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek." So we don't have to be afraid. Now, now, fear is a very powerful force. My, my guess is that at some point in time that we can all think of those situations that we've been in where we've been scared. And fear is something that can absolutely immobilize a person. And Paul's saying as Christians, we don't need to be living under that kind of fear. You know, sometimes even in our faith, we can be fearful. Sometimes as Christians, we, we are fearful because we are different. If we really say that we believe what God's word says, then we are different than the rest of the world. It makes us stand out from everybody else. So again, remember, Paul's writing this letter to Christians in Rome. Like I said before, Rome was basically the pagan capital of the world. They worship many gods. So if you only worshiped one God, you would stand out. You would be different. You know, not many people want to stand out. You know, we don't want to stand out and be recognized to be different than the rest of the crowd. We want to fit in with everybody else. And so for some of the Christians, it was a little bit nerve-wracking to say, I only worship one God. And Paul said, you don't have to be ashamed of that. He said, You don't have to be ashamed of that because you have a God who is the power behind your faith. Now, that is not a really politically correct statement to make even today. If you say that there is only one way to heaven, if you say that Jesus Christ is the only one who provides salvation, that there's only one God, that is considered to be offensive, it's considered to be arrogant. Paul said, but if you're going to be true to what God's Word says, then you follow what Scripture teaches us. And it says, the power of God, the one true God, is behind our faith. Now, now what kind of power does our God have? And You know, the Bible kicks off by letting us know right at the very beginning, beginning, Genesis 1-1. That's how powerful our God is. In the beginning, what did God do? created the heavens and the earth. Think that's pretty powerful? I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, everything that there is, God started it. So the power that God has, it is the power of life. It is the power of creation. Paul says, if you've got him behind you, do you think there's any reason for you to be fearful? He says, you have the power of God. That word power in our text is where we get the word dynamite. You know the power of God is alone sufficient to save, to save men from sin, to protect us, to give us eternal life. You know I, I believe most people desire some sort of change to occur in their lives. As we get older, so there's some things we look at and say, "Yeah, I wish there were some things that were different in my life." You know that's sort of, that's really sort of the premise of of advertising they advertise these products saying if you buy into this product then it's going to change your life now that's what the gospel is you buy into this product it will change your life now the world tries to sell us a whole lot of stuff that says it's going to change our lives and make us different and there's some really strange stuff that we that the world sells to us that we a lot of us buy into I've shared with you all before. I, infomercials, just—I mean, they, I, I can't help it. I see one and I, I get locked in. And the one that always just locks me in, I just think so interesting because I think—I don't know if it's because I can't believe it, maybe it's true, or I can't believe people would actually buy the product. Now, there's this one product. It's this little belt that you put around you, and it's—and um, it causes your—it causes your stomach to vibrate. And amazingly, if you wear it, you get a six-pack. And so I, I watch that, and I think, there's no way that could be true, but what if it was? You know, so I'm trying to, am I, am I going to buy this thing or not? And so it's, but I, I'm, I don't know, it's always interesting, the guy that's always wearing it, he always wears, he's already got a six pack, like, why is that guy wearing it? And so, you know, you see, we sell a lot of stuff, and the world says, listen, if you buy this product, it'll change your life, but even if the product's good, guys, let me tell you something, it will never change, it'll never change you, it'll never change your nature, the only one who can change our nature is Jesus. I mean, Jeremiah 23, 13 tells us something very, or 1323 tells us something interesting. It says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or can a leopard change his spots? You know, I can't change my nature. I can't change who I am. And, and that's that's really ultimately the reason why we shouldn't feel inferior, because we have the power of God to who created all things, who stands behind our faith. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. It says, The old is gone, behold, the new has come. Sometimes we we become fearful in life. We wonder how we're going to make it. We wonder how we can withstand the onslaught of the world. And Paul says, You don't have to be fearful because your faith has power Because of the God who stands behind your faith. Another reason we don't have to be fearful in life is is because our faith, it brings salvation. It brings salvation. Verse 16 again, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then also to the Greek. Now, Paul was telling the believers in Rome, and then also to us, says, you don't need to be ashamed of your faith. You don't need to be fearful because of your faith. And, and the first reason why is he says, well, who, who's behind your faith? Well, it is, it is God. Now, what kind of power does God have? Well, he, he's the God who made everything. He has all power that is behind him. And he says that whenever you have a faith in him, he says that faith has power to bring salvation. Now, you can look at that and say, well, that sounds good, but What do I need to be saved from? No, we need to be saved from sin. And every one of us is guilty of sin. In Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So whenever it says all, it means every person in this room right now is sinful. Every person in this room, and not just this room, in this world, needs rescue from sin. Sin. Now, the question is, what qualifies then as sin? Y'all, anything that is outside the boundaries that God set up for us and how we live. Now, so we like to identify the big ones. You know, well, sin, the sin is murder. And I've never committed murder, therefore I'm sin free. Y'all, that's that. And there ain't no doubt that's, that's sin. But sin, Jesus stretched the boundaries a little bit. He said, even what goes through your head, if it is outside of God's intent for you and his word, he said, that is sinful. Now, I mean, we are all in trouble there. Now, if we're all in trouble there, then do we have any hope? This is Jesus. In you know, Romans 5 6 says, While we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You know who the ungodly are? Look to your left. Look to your right. Look at yourself. It's all of us. And at the right time, Christ paid a penalty of sin for us to give freedom. Now, for that freedom to take effect, though, something has to happen. If you look again at verse 16, it says, It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That word believe, it means to trust, to rely upon. This is really interesting to me. Again, in verse number 16, it says, It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who, it does not say behaves, Now, I like behavior. I like good behavior. That's not what it says. It says, it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Now, you can be a really good person. Many of you, I know so many of you, you're some great people. But you are not ever good enough to where you are going to earn your way into God's good favor. Our behavior, what we do, is not enough to bring about the salvation of God. It is only Jesus who provides that power. That's why Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is so important for believers. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. There's only one avenue through which we receive salvation. It's Jesus. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, No man comes to the father except through me now a lot of you know that verse you've heard that verse before but man when you say that in the world it is offensive to the world because Jesus is saying I am the only way to salvation and so sometimes as believers we don't want to offend people we don't want people to get upset we want to look good and we can water that down so it doesn't really matter just as long as you believe in God you're going to be okay just as long as you do good things, more good things than bad things, then you're going to be okay. Guess that's, that's not what Scripture says. You know, whenever we do stuff like that, then what I'm doing is I am, I am watering down the power of the gospel. And I, I can cause people to live with a false sense of security. Let me try to give you an example. A, a number of years ago, there was a, a train, a passenger train, that, that just stopped dead on the tracks. And they they needed to move it or stop at another train that was coming because a freight train was going to be on those same tracks and it was going to be coming a few minutes later. And so the engineer sent one of his men up the track with a red flag to wave it to get the engineer's attention so that he would stop before it came and hit that passenger train. And so he sent him up ahead, everybody on the passenger train, they sort of relaxed, and and he began to to wave that, that flag and whenever the passenger or the freight train was coming, instead of, instead of stopping, it just, it just slowed down. It slowed down, it kept coming, and it ended up slamming into that train, and it killed some people. Now, before it hit that train, the engineer on the freight train jumped off of the train. And so there was going to be, there was a lawsuit, there was going to be a trial. They brought the engineer, and he was sitting before a lawyer, his lawyer, and the lawyer said, now, now, there was, a, there was a, a signalman who came up, and he was waving the red flag. Why didn't you stop? He said, well, it, it's because it wasn't a red flag. It was a yellow flag. He said, and a yellow flag is a caution flag. He said, so I slowed down. He said, that's why I didn't stop. It was a, it was a yellow flag. Well, they, they disputed that, but when they went to investigate, the flag was interesting. The flag, it had been a red flag, but they'd left it in the sun too long. And it caused it to turn to like a dirty yellow. And so as that guy is waving the flag, it, it wasn't completely red. It wasn't completely yellow, but it wasn't completely red. And so the engineer just misread it and kept going. Guys, when we change what God's word says, that's what we're doing. You know, we're, we're, we're changing, we're diluting the power of the gospel. And there are many people who live with a false sense of security And what happens is their life ends up slamming into eternity, and they're in trouble. There is only one way to be made right with God, and that is through Jesus. Therefore, if if you're a believer, you you don't have to be fearful in this life. Because you belong to Jesus. Now, now here's the question, though. Are you waving a flag for people? To let people know, yeah, you need Jesus. Just like I do. So what do I do? You know, how do I do that? It's real simple stuff. One of the things that you can do that I can do, start praying for people. You know, I, I need to take time to, to lift up the people I live near, the people I know, and say, God, I pray that you'll touch that person's heart. Because, God, if they don't have you, they're in trouble. They don't have a future. We need to be burdened about people. You know, another thing that we can do is just simply go and, and to talk to our friends and those people that we have relationships with And say, hey, listen, this is, let me tell you something, this this is just what I believe. This is what Jesus has done for me. We need to share that message. We need to invite people to come where they can hear the gospel of Jesus. Now, we don't save people, but we can point people to Jesus. So in in this life, we we don't need to be fearful. Guys, we don't need to be fearful because our faith, it has power. Our faith, it brings salvation. It's the only thing that brings salvation. And that's the last thing I want us to see. Why we don't have to be fearful is because our faith, it imparts righteousness. Now, this is a really cool one. Faith, our faith in Jesus, makes us righteous people. Now, look with me in verse number 17. It says, in it, salvation, God's righteousness is revealed. From faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, here's one of the really neat things. When a person entrusts their life to Jesus, the Bible says we become righteous. That word basically, righteousness, you know what it is? God makes you right with him. You don't make yourself right with God. Here's why I like this. Because that means all the pressure is off me. Because I've tried to make myself right with God. Y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I am, I am an abject failure when I try to follow all the rules and regulations. I, I just screw up every time. I can't do it, and it makes me feel defeated in the way that I'm living. And so whenever I understand that I am, I am placing myself at the mercy of Jesus, then Jesus, what he does is he gives me his righteousness. I don't earn it. He just gives it to me. You know, sort of, like, sort of like your family. Parents, it's like your children. When they are born, you give them your last name. They don't earn it. Now, you might get ticked off at them and tell them they ought to change their name. They're still going to be related to you because you, their DNA is all you. Now, you can sit there and act like it's not. I, I, I've seen some of your your kids look like you. They are yours. That's what Jesus does for us. He brings us into his family. We are a part of who he is, not because of what we've done, but because of what he gives. You know, I, I love history, and, I, and I, there's some characters in history that are just really interesting to study and look at. One of them was a man named Thomas Lawrence. Uh, he fought for the British Army. Uh, he's better known as Lawrence of Arabia. And so if you're, if you're like a movie goober, you can rent... Lawrence of Arabia. It's like a three-and-a-half-hour movie. I've watched it. It's good. So anyway, he's, he, was really, he really got in with the Middle Eastern Arabian community, and he was leading them. They were doing these raids on uh, German troops and supporters during the World War. And uh, so he had a fort, though, that was right in the middle of a desert. And it was, just, I mean, it was just desolate there. And so sometimes his raiding parties would get chased back, and they'd always go to that fortress, and they'd get into the fortress and the raiding part, or the other parties, which they would surround that fortress and try to lay siege to it. Well, it's in the middle of the desert. There's no water there, there's no food, and, but what the, what the people that were surrounding that fort did not know is inside the fort, they had an unlimited amount of water, and they had plenty of food. And so they just sit in there and watch the guys surrounding them, and they're trying to wait them out, and then the heat and the sun and no water, it just wears them out. For long, they would just they'd trickle off and leave. And so Lawrence would come out with his men. They could do other raids after that was over. Now, uh, Lawrence Arabia said, he said, when we went to the fort, he said, you know, it, it, it's not, we were able to outlast everybody. He said, it's not because of how strong we were. He said, it's because of how strong that fort was. He said, the fort is what gave us power. And I thought the same thing true with Jesus. You know, it's, it's not that we have the power. It's when we place ourselves under the leadership of Jesus Then he imparts his power to us, and so we can live without fear. We can live with joy, knowing that Jesus gives us his power. Now, if that is true, and I think most of us who are believers, we're going to say, "I totally agree with that." But then here's the question: Are you fearful? Do you become scared? about what the world throws at you. You know, the the world is going to hit you, as Pat Benatar said, with with its best shot. It's going to throw doubt, disease, loss of a job, messed up relationships, financial trouble. The world's going to throw everything in the kitchen sink that it's got at you. And sometimes we see those things coming our way, and there's fear. It's totally understandable. But as believers, we don't have to be dominated by fear. We can live with victory. We can live with hope. Why? Well, our faith is power. What's the power? The power is the God of creation stands with you. Our faith is power. Our faith brings salvation. When you place yourself under the leadership of Jesus, God gives you salvation eternity and then he gives you righteousness so are you fearful if you are if i am we'll I have to be i don't have to live in fear i can live in hope see all that jesus asks of us is trusting so let let me be your fortress let me be your hiding place Sometimes we try to control everything in life on our own. As you get older, you begin to realize you don't have control over anything. Let me tell you, you don't have control over your body as you get older. You don't have control. But the God of Scripture has control over all things. Now, here's how I'd like for us to close the service. There some of you and you're believers, but you might be marked with fear today. And if you aren't, let me tell you something that's, that's normal, that happens. But let me encourage you to claim the power of God today, to be reminded of it. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And those of you who are, who are followers of Christ, it could be you, you just have some things that are weighing you down. Why don't you tell God what they are? And you simply pray to him and say, Lord, these are the things that are bringing fear into my life. These are some things that are, that are weighing my heart down. It could be something with your children. Maybe they're headed down a path that, that you know is not the best thing for them, and it's just got you wrapped up in fear. Why don't you just take time to pray and say, God, bring me peace. Lord, I pray that you'll touch my child's heart, that you will draw them to yourself. Lord, may they see your power. May they submit themselves to your leadership, trusting you. Maybe others of you are are struggling in in some relationship or some financial issues that you have. Just tell God about it. Lord, Lord, I'm scared, but God, I'm going to trust that you are a God who provides. You're a God who watches over your people. So God, I'm entrusting myself to you. Lord, I, I want to just simply be obedient to you to walk in faith maybe others of you have to admit that there's never been a time in your life where you've ever placed yourself under the leadership of Jesus do it now go inside his fort say Lord I will trust you if you need to do that you can call out to him in prayer just simply pray something like it say Jesus I, I need you Lord, today I'm going to entrust my life to you. I ask for your forgiveness, Lord, of my sin. I turn away from it, Jesus, and I, I just want to be obedient to you. Save me, Lord. Rescue me. Would you pray that prayer of something like it? Please let us know. You can take your bulletin out, fill out that contact form. Check check that line, I commit my life to Christ today. Tear it out. We'll have ushers at the back holding baskets. You can drop that piece of paper in. We can get you some information in the mail about growing in a walk with Jesus. We do not have to live in fear. Because we have a God who has conquered all fears. His victory to the resurrection. Lord, thank you for your victory. Lord, I pray that we will live in confidence and hope. Lord, may we keep our eye close, closely on you. And I pray this in Christ's name.